0: This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one stop podcast to find out about Laravel related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Durenda.
1: Hey, everyone, welcome to episode 146 of the Laravel News Podcast. For those of you hanging out with us live, thanks so much for staying up late. If you're in the US, or thanks for taking your lunch break if you're on the other side of the world with Mr. Dorinda. And if you're anywhere in between, thanks for spending a little bit of time with us, regardless of what time it is. I'm over time zones. Yeah? yeah. Universal time. Let's go universal time, shall we? That's
0: right. Right now. We've talked about it it before, I think. It's two o'clock or something in the morning, UTC. So yeah. there you go.
1: There we go. There we go. Hey, uh, top of the show. Want to give a quick shout out to Honey Badger for sponsoring the show today. Uh, we've had them on before, I believe, but they're coming back to us, so we're very thankful to have them sponsoring the show. They do awesome error monitoring, and you'll hear a little bit about them later in the show. Well, hey, you told me not to say it, but I feel like I've kind of, I'm kind of obligated to do it. Should I? Dare I? Don't do it. Dare you I get a double it? the length of the show just by oh. saying. it. Boy, I got to say, it. it's going to be a short one, folks. <laughs> <laughs> bad, <laughs> for bad it. Man. Hey, well, let me count. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight things we're talking to talk about. So, I don't know. Maybe it's just when I say that we end up talking about stuff longer because, you know, we figure we have more time. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll find out. We will find out. So, hey, shall we jump right into it then, my friend? Let's do it. All right. 8.49 was released with a logging context method that adds the same contextual information to subsequent logs during a request. Ooh, this is interesting. So Alex Harris contributed a new with context method to logging instances in order to add more detail to subsequent requests. So Taylor talked about this on Twitter. Uh, He basically said exactly that. And there is a link to the pull request inside of his little Twitter tweet there. So here's the deal. Let's say you want to correlate various logs together. So Maybe you have a class, and then you have another class that's being called, and then you have another class that's being called without that, right? You want to correlate the various logs together using some unique identifier. Well, in the past, you could use something like uh, the Laravel session ID to track that same user across logs. Uh, but here's a new example using the log with context method. So all you'd need to do is you would say log colon colon with context request ID equals request ID, right? Where you have, in this case, they just generated a unique ID. And then you can use that uh, within your application to associate all those logs together. Really, really interesting. There is already a section of the logging documentation, uh, or I'm sorry, a section for this new contextual information logging inside of the documentation if you'd like more details. So it looks pretty pretty cool. A great way to be able to associate those logs together, especially if you have a very busy application. You're not going to be able to necessarily guarantee that those logs are just going to be neatly grouped together if you have a lot of traffic, right? So get status text from an Illuminate response. Taylor McGuire created an accessor method, status text, to get the protected status text property from the response instance. So if you've never ever needed to get these status text from the response instance now you can do this really easily so you mm-hmm. have for example they have here response equals new response foo and then set status code is 404 and then you can now say something like response status text and get not found or something like that so if mm-hmm. you've ever needed to get that uh now you can really easily so thank you very much taylor mcguire we also have this sort by route resolution order in the route list command so antonio carlos Ribeiro. Contributed a new option to sort routes by resolution order. That is the order in which they were resolved or which they are being resolved. The default sort is by URI. So I believe it's alphabetical possibly uh, by mm-hmm. default. And with this new option, uh, this could be more helpful in the case that you're trying to debug which route will resolve first. So with this now, you just call PHP artisan route colon uh, list dash dash sort. And then the valid options are domain, method, URI, name, uh, action, and then now precedence. So precedence is what you would use in that case. Oh, I forgot middleware. You could also sort them uh, in order by middleware. But now you have precedence, which will tell you uh, in which order they resolve. So there you go. Hmm. Uh, The full list of new features and updates are in the diff between 8.48 and 8.49 on GitHub. And if you happen to hear some little dinging in the background there, that is my washing machine. So. There you have it. Hashtag real life. Uh, I hear nothing. Do you hear, I hear it? Nothing. Can you hear it? You can no, hear it. Okay. Nothing at all. It's a pretty little no, song. Good. It plays. Wakes me up sometimes in the middle of the night. I typically, you know, you throw a load in before you go to bed, and mm. then at you know one a.m. I hear the little dinging.
0: The happy song. Ours the happy does, song. As the same thing. It's the the happy finished song. So yeah. <laughs> nice. I don't know if it's the same song, but it yeah, it certainly plays its happy happy song when it's finished.
1: Yeah, it might be. Might not be. That route
0: resolution ordering is very handy, especially oh, yeah. if you're perhaps new to the framework and you're not sort of, you know, you can get caught out by putting your route definitions in the wrong order. And, you you know, for you're sure. hitting like slash create instead of an ID because you've got those the wrong way around. So yep. definitely handy to do that. Thanks to Antonio for that
1: one. Absolutely. Especially it, it can especially get complicated with you have uh, when you have like routing groups and things like that mm-hmm. as well. Or if you break them up into multiple locations. So, yeah, that, that's that's a that's a good one. Nice job on that. The logging with context is also pretty hot. I like that, too. Yeah, that's good. Okay, uh, so on to you, my that, friend. That's it for releases. So I guess we're going to
0: talk packages. We don't really have any any news to speak of. Actually, you know what? One thing, there is no article about this, I don't think. But I think it, it bears mentioning that Laravel, relate, or Laravel announced during the week that they're going to be moving the release cycle for the new major versions. So previously we were doing like a February and a September release. And then now that the framework is kind of more mature and it's, it doesn't really warrant that extra release cycle. You know, we're slowing things down a little bit. We're doing, we're following semantic versioning. We're putting, you know, backwards compatible changes into minor releases and things like that. Laravel 9 was slated to release in September of 2021 that's been pushed back now because I think uh, the symphony version yeah. six is due out in November or something like that. Mm-hmm. So Taylor announced on Twitter this week that they're going to shift the annual major release to February, just so that it gives them a couple of months to, to bring in those changes from symphony Vs, you know, the, the new symphony release make sure everything's working as, as a, as a result of that. We've, so as I said, we've, we've pushed back from September to next February. So September, from September 2021 to February 2022. So that's the next time. We'll, that's when we'll see Laravel nine. And as a result of depending on version six of the Symphony components, it also means that Laravel nine is going to require PHP eight as a minimum. Okay. So you've got an extra couple know. of months to sort of prepare for that. You know, if you're still on package Laravel, maintainers as well. Uh, if, yeah, package maintainers and things like that, get your applications and your packages and all that stuff ready to to move to version eight of PHP and and support that. Um, that'll that'll mean you know cleaning up a lot of bits and pieces here and there. It gives you access to constructor property promotion and named arguments and things like that. Match the the you know the match statement and things like that it helps you clean up if statements and switch blocks and things like that. So for sure, yeah, yeah, just. Just a little PSA there, worth worth noting that the next version of Laravel has been pushed back now until of February of next year. So, Good call on that one. Hey, real quick, eyes.
1: Um before we move forward, can I jump back real fast to that contextual mm-hmm. information thing? So I said that wrong. And so I'm going to go back and correct this. We don't have to change <laughs> the order in the podcast. I get things wrong. It happens, right? I mean, I'm human, so sue me. Also, um, yeah, so... Here we go. So contextual information. So if you've ever wanted to, you do log colon colon info, and then you put like a little log message, right? But then as a second argument, you can put an array of data that will then be included in that log. So for example, you might want to put the user ID, right? So you'd pass an array where it says ID and then you fat arrow user ID. And now when you have this log info, it's going to say user failed to log in and then it's going to provide for you some contextual information to go along with that that you might need in order to be able to debug that piece of logged status there, right? So the idea with this contextual information uh, that was the new pull request Is that there may be occasions where you want to include contextual information for any other items within that lifecycle for any other logs that happen down the line, right? So it may be that you would say log with context, user ID equals user fat arrow ID or user arrow ID. And then whenever whenever you log any statements from that point on, that Mm -hmm. user ID will always be included in the contextual information for any logs that you push, which makes way more sense than the way that I was describing it. So it may be something like a request ID, right? It's like if you just assign a unique ID, the way that they're doing it in the docs is in a middleware. Like as soon as, the, as, soon as you hit the application, you have this assign request ID middleware and they generate this unique ID. And then they say, basically tag any log that comes in with this unique request ID, that way you can, in your logs, search by that request ID and then say, these are all the logs that came in during that request, which is interesting. So that's what it's doing. You, you basically can say globally, hey, any logs that happen from here until we actually kill PHP again, log every time with this additional context included in that mm-hmm. log statement, which is very cool. I will definitely be using that.
0: Yeah, definitely handy if you're trying to trace uh, a specific user or a specific session or whatever through your application. Because if you have, sure. if you have a log message that just says, you know, got here or or you know, reached user endpoint, reached user profile, whatever, without the context you're basically seeing the same message. So if two people hit your application at the same time, you don't know right. if you're tracking your request flow or someone else's request flow. So putting yep. the the context in there, at least you can tie it to a single request ID or a single session ID or whatever. And that way it makes it much easier to track through your code following a single execution. So yeah, that, that, that is definitely a handy feature. Just speaking of things that were incorrect, like the Laravel 9 release will be in January, not, not uh, February. So off by one. No worries, it happens, right? <laughs> All right, now on to package, I guess. The, the first one we have here is a package called version control for Laravel, which is a package that provides database version control for your eloquent models. The package works by creating a separate asterisk underscore versions database table that corresponds with the model. So for example, if you wanted to version your user model, you would have a users table and you would have a users underscore versions table. So in order to make this work, you start by extending the package's base model for models you'd like to include in version control. So instead of extending from the eloquent model, you'd you'd extend from this package's base model, and then you would create some tables, two tables for this. Um, so this just goes into your database migration. You can make VC, so make version control tables, and you give it the user the table name. And that will handle doing all of that stuff for you, and then you tell it. So, make VC tables. You create the users table, uh, and it takes two arguments. Uh, and then you can just say to retrieve the model versions, you can use the model versions method. I suspect that that second closure that you pass, the first mm-hmm. is the the definition of the users table. The second will be what you're versioning in that versions table. So, if the email changes or the password changes, you could track that.
1: So, I'm curious, though, so like where does the version live? Right. It's like, where does, uh, I don't see any, I guess that's where make VC tables comes in, right? The make VC mm-hmm. tables method that you're going to use inside of your migration is yeah. going to probably handle behind the scenes some sort of like, Hey, here's the version that you're currently on. And probably only for that secondary table that they're going to create. So Correct. a little bit of magic going on there. That's not necessarily explained in here, but it is interesting that basically all you'll have to do in that case would be, say, user versions, and then you could retrieve any of the previous versions that have existed uh, for mm-hmm. that user or for the whatever other, whatever other model you'd have to do.
0: Correct. Uh, so i was just having a quick look through what the package itself is doing. And basically, yeah, that is what it is doing.
1: <laughs> and it actually says, I'm sorry, in the top of the, it does say that you have a starred underscore versions database table. So in this case, it'd be user underscore versions. You might have already said that. Uh, if you had like posts, you're like, yes, I did. If you had posts, it'd be posts underscore versions. Um, I can't imagine posts would be changing that often. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, this is, users is an interesting one. I actually have needed to do this recently. And we use Spassi's, uh spassy has a, a package that, that's The activity like, log? That's it, activity log. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you can't like just grab versions off of that. You can you can look at it. Like it's sort of helpful for yeah. like me as a administrator sort of deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just to be able to say hey versions and get those all out was pretty pretty handy
0: yeah so this package will create some additional columns in your table so it'll create a a uid for the for the key for the table itself it'll create a version uid so you know that you're tracking this version against the version data and whether which is the active version um, and then it will specify the the parent in there as well so it'll take care of all of that stuff for you Anyway, it's magical. It will handle versioning. It may or may not be the solution that you need, but definitely check that out. Thanks very much to Red Snapper Limited.
1: I am curious. It's. I'm not sure if there's a way to do this in the case that you're not setting it up initially like this. That would be the only concern, right? Does this does this integrate into an existing application? Well, you'd have to go um,
0: backport. I guess the it was- extra fields.
1: Yeah, right. You'd pretty much just have to make it up on your own. You'd have to go look into the dig into the source code and say, okay, mm-hmm. what is the new table, what's the other table have to look like, um, and then you just extend that other base model, right? Yeah. 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 It also,
0: it also does give the ability to anonymize fields that are versioned, so you don't see what they actually are, ah, but you know that they have been changed. So, gotcha. if you are concerned about that, then that is taken care for you. It does suggest that it meets GXP compliance, whatever that is
1: <laughs> this is actually man now that i now that i'm thinking about this this could be really really helpful for a couple of reasons right now we have an application where we have claims come in from clients but we have these claims that come in our data entry teams manually look at those and change things but if our clients are ever like hey that's not what i sent over we have no way to know because it's mm-hmm. been changed it's been updated and we don't ever keep the original copy but this is interesting i might have to look into this okay copy paste into our slack channel Thank you, sir. All right. Done. Done. Laravel auto routes package. So this is an interesting one by Izni Barak Demirtas that generates routes from a controller using auto discovery. So what this does is it'll take a look at your controller and it will look at any public methods that you have on that controller and then it will generate routes for them. So um, let's say that you have a controller. So, so I'm going to go ahead and say if you're following, like, maybe conventions or best practices, I say best practices, quote, unquote, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, most of the time you're going to want to only have, like, restful actions, restful verbs, like, as public methods inside of your controllers. Mm-hmm. Do you typically follow that convention, Michael? And here's why I'll say, why I'll say that I typically do that. It can get really messy really quick if you don't follow a convention like that. You just mm-hmm. kind of get this wild West sort of sling methods around. and again, like private methods go for it. Like go ahead and use a private method inside mm-hmm. your controller. That's fine. But yeah. public methods, mm, maybe not as much.
0: Yeah, anything that is picked up in like from a route will, will be one of those seven methods. Um, so, you know, show, create, store, update, etc. cetera. Index. Yeah. Right. Index. Um, I'm not beyond putting in like a private method to, to handle some ancillary totally. operation or to sort of compact a controller. More recently, I mean, it depends on the application. Bigger applications, I might find myself doing like custom collections or other DTOs and things like that, just to extract some of that functionality away from the controller. Uh-huh but generally i'm i'm following convention for pretty much everything unless i'm using an invocable
1: yeah i i agree with that yeah the private method things like typically where i'll use that is if it's just something where i want to make it a little bit more readable there's a hundred different places to tuck those things in right you could do it in a form yeah. request object you could do it in the controller you can do it in you know a custom collection like you're talking about but uh yeah those are typically going to be private so When we're talking about this package, what it's doing is it's looking across all your different public methods on a controller and then generating a route from them. Here's some of the examples that they give. Get foobar, post bar baz, just any public method that you might have um, in this case. And you'll notice that in those ones, I talked, uh, or when I said those, the name of the method was prefixed with a verb like get, like get Mm -hmm. foobar or post bar baz. And so what these will do is these will be used to hint to this route auto uh, generator what verb to use when it's generating the routes. So the route method also takes a third argument to configure parameters and middlewares. Uh, But what you do is you just say route auto, and then you just say slash test, which I believe is sort of like a namespace to it. And Mm -hmm. then you pass in the name of the controller. And then what this will do is this will go ahead and automatically generate those routes for you using that first word on the public method name, like get or post or whatever. And then the following words after like barbaz, right? Or foobar. Um, And so in that case, it would make a route for you at test slash foobar. And it would be a get request uh, able Mm -hmm. to be accessible through there. So in addition to that, you can, like I said, uh, just like you would with a normal route uh, definition inside your web.php file or something like that, you can pass additional middlewares um, or you can pass parameters that will become available to your methods. Here's what this really reminds me of. This reminds me of or feels like somebody who's coming from CodeIgniter mm. and is missing that behavior and wants to yeah, push they can, it into Laravel. Conventional because, routing, yeah. Yeah, because that's what it was, right? Exactly. It was that conventional routing where you had like, based on the naming of your route, it would handle it in a particular way, and um you know, that's just kind of how it worked, uh, which was great until it wasn't. But there you go. So mm-hmm. it's a disclaimer here. It says, "Well, most developers are happy with Laravel's built-in routing definitions. It's an it's a unique idea with examples in the source code uh, of working with PHP's reflection API and the Laravel router." So. Uh, you know use it if you want it's it's uh you know sharp knives use sharp knives you know or provide whatever right you could you could get right. hurt with them but if you have a use for it and it feels like something you want to do go for it mm-hmm. who am i who am i to judge you go for it who are you who am i nobody i'm a Perfect. somebody but somebody to but me <laughs> oh my this is going off the rails is that real what, real that's what you
0: that's what your mother tells you you're, you're somebody jack
1: hey you know what like i'm thankful like what do they say, like you know um and like Big no jam. no like insensitivity to like people who grew up without a mother or whatever, but mm. like I feel like our mothers do have a lot to do with like our current uh self esteem or like you know our identity about who we think we are I, I think mothers mm-hmm. have a good deal to do with that, so yeah i I do credit my mother with that with my like confidence and and uh you know I don't know general like. Mm-hmm. For for myself, not to be weird about it, but like, you know, <laughs> some people really struggle with that. I don't know. I, I mean, seriously, like, it's a thing, right? <laughs> so I generally like myself for the most part. We're none of us are perfect, but whatever. Again, this is going off the rails. It's 1150, and <laughs> uh, I've had one too many. So let's go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Build UI dashboards for your Laravel models. Model stats for Laravel is a package written by Julian. Nahum, that gives you a statistics dashboard for your Laravel application. Users can build dashboards from the web UI without any coding knowledge using application models. Multiple data aggregation types can be used. For example, a daily count, accumulated daily total, a period total with more features to come. It gives you drag and drop, resize widgets and configurable authorization gate for non-local access to the dashboard. So similar to how Telescope, Horizon, um, Nova. all those things, Nova all do their... Their access gates Um, and you can create your own widgets it's using Vue 2 tailwind chart.js and some other front-end npm Mm, packages that's interesting but you don't have but you don't have to manage any of the ui assets for the package it installs all of them via the package setup commands so basically you can just spin this up spit it out into your application and have your application users build their own widgets instead of harassing you for a new report every five minutes god seriously
1: (laughs) yeah well the thing is it doesn't actually create the report no does it does it create a (laughs) report for you too it gives you the UI uh, it, to, to build out the, it gives, the well, widgets. Right. It gives you the widgets. But I'm as I'm looking at these, like the screenshots, in the top right, there is like a download button. Do you see that?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, like, I wonder, maybe it does generate a report. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they're using the maybe data. So that's pretty <laughs> cool. That is really pretty cool. Oh, boy. So much good stuff. So much good stuff. Hey, you know what, Mr. Dorinda? Uh, I'm going to talk about one more thing here and then I'm going to have you talk about our wonderful sponsor. Does that sound agreeable to you, my friend?
0: I agree to these terms.
1: Okay, let's do it. We have got the PHP League, which, by the way, there was a little bit of drama about the PHP League. Not there? dead.
0: Not dead. Feature Not complete dead. and definitely actively maintained as yes. necessary.
1: Yes, there was a little bit of uh, the PHP League is dead and then they were all to arms we're not dead can we can we talk about this just because a package I'll has not it.
0: been actively developed does not mean it is not actively maintained true story a lot of the a lot of the original impetus is this a word impetus a lot yes. of the original intent of the php league was to build uh, framework agnostic packages that were maintained and that did their thing that they needed to do. So just because, you know, Jonathan Rennick was responsible for the the Glide package, you know, maybe it has, and I haven't looked, right, but maybe it hasn't received an update for three months, six months, whatever. That doesn't mean that it's dead. It just means that it's feature complete. It does all Mm -hmm. of the things that when they built that package, that when Jonathan built that package, it was intended to do. It resizes your images. It allows you to watermark. You know, it does whatever it needs to do. It doesn't. It doesn't need to constantly receive feature updates. And and the maintainers go in there. And if there's security vulnerabilities with upstream or downstream pack no upstream packages, if things need to be updated to function for different versions of PHP, that stuff still gets done. But that you know we're only getting a new version of PHP every 12 months, so it's not like you need to be actively developing every package all the time. So shout out to to Frank Deong and Jonathan and you know Phil Sturgeon, who's not even part of the PHP community anymore, who got a lot of that off the ground to all of those people that, that got the league off the ground that built these great packages that are that are standing the test of time. We appreciate all of the hard work that you have done and, and don't let the uh the ill informed
1: get you down. Indeed. Indeed. So speaking of the league, uh this is about the common mark markdown parser. Which is now version two beta three, uh, released. So uh, this is under P- the PHP League slash Common Mark. Uh, so this has been uh, this has been released as of July. A stable release will be released as of July, and this package is a highly extensible, as are most of those packages from the League. A PHP markdown parser, which fully supports the Common Mark and GFM specs. Now, I believe GFM. Google
0: flavored markdown.
1: Thank no, you. No, GitHub. Google, GitHub, GitHub I was going to say, not Google. <laughs> yeah, GitHub flavored markdown. I knew it was GitHub, but I didn't know that I was the was So confident was. in that wrong answer. So close. <laughs> so close. And then Common Mark, I suppose, would be like Daring Fireball, like what he originally kind of said no. out there, or no? Common No, say Daring Fireball, John Gruber, when he.
0: Put out Markdown. It was just something he stuck together. He didn't put much thought into it. Common Mark okay. is is like the, the community that. that 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 kind of like grabbed Markdown and standardized it and and its um, interpretation and formatting and and all of that kind of stuff. So Common Mark is seeking to standardize how how Markdown is interpreted and what to do with it and things like that. So, uh huh.
1: Yeah. So then you have some extra things in in the GitHub flavored Markdown, but this supports both of them. So. Uh, According to the beta announcement, here are some of the key improvements in version 2. Up to 50% faster and 21% less memory usage, especially when dealing with larger Markdown documents. Three new extensions for front matter, description lists, default HTML attributes. New XML renderer to simplify AST debugging. Uh, They completely revamped the parsing engine for faster speed and more precise parsing controls, etc., etc. PSR14. Psalm purity markers throughout the code base, lots more. So Colin O'Dell has asked for any current users to help test and provide feedback while they're in the beta period. The Laravel framework relies heavily uh, heavily on CommonMark as a dependency. And Laravel users are highly encouraged to support this library uh, by providing feedback and testing it out right now. So to help test this upcoming version, you can check out the beta version of the package uh, by just following the... Or by using the following composer command, composer require league slash common mark colon and then the uh, caret 2.0 at beta. And if you do that, that will install the beta version so you can test it out in your application and give any helpful feedback that you need. There's also uh, some value or some recommendations here to checking out the common mark changelog for full details on what's changed and new in version 2.0 and then there's also an upgrade guide from 1.6 to 2.0 that you'd want to read as well so there you go Mm.
0: speaking of testing when you are testing you are going to find some errors and let's face it your code is going to have errors and even code that is written by amazing developers such as yourself you the listener when errors happen it's nice to know that honey badger has your back HoneyBadger makes you a DevOps hero by combining error monitoring, uptime monitoring, and check-in monitoring into a single, easy-to-use platform. HoneyBadger sends you alerts in real-time with all the context you need to see what's causing the error and where it's hiding so you can quickly fix it and get on with your day. The included uptime and cron monitoring also lets you know when your external services are having issues or your background jobs go missing or silently fail. Go to honeybadger.io and discover how Star, Josh, and Ben created a 100% bootstrap monitoring solution. And why is this important? You may ask. Self-funding means that they answer only to you, the developer, our dear listener, rather than a venture capital overlord. I've actually been switching my my side or my freelance project over to Honey Badger in the last sort of three four weeks, um, just to to give something new a spin. Just as these annual projects that I spin up and then you know go and set up Sentry and all of that every every year. So I've been I've been setting up Honey Badger this time around just to to give it a go, and that they, they have been. Um, Quite good. Uh their free tier is quite generous, so you can definitely check that out and um see how you go with this platform. Thanks to our friends at honeybadger.io
1: for sponsoring the show. Very nice. Thanks, Honey Badger. It's awesome. We've actually got this other package here called Spotlight. It's well, it's not called Spotlight. It's called LiveWare UI Spotlight. Ooh. Um Max. We all like Max, don't we? I think we do. If you don't like Max, you probably like at least. Alfred, even if you're on a Windows machine, you can get Alfred. And Alfred mm-hmm. is the stuff. But LiveWire UI Spotlight is a LiveWire component that provides a Spotlight or Alfred-like launcher to your applications. I could talk about this, and I'm going to, but Filio Hermans, the guy who created this, has a awesome little video animation that he put out on Twitter about how this works. And it's really cool. So you can think of it like, well, you know when you're on the Tailwind documentation site, Or the Laravel documentation site and you press slash and then you start typing and it will Mm -hmm. search through the docs. So you just press slash and it kind of pulls up their search. This is similar to that, but it's not just for searching through a set of data. You can actually define actions that you want people to be able to do inside of your application. So Mm -hmm. they can, uh, I'm not exactly sure, I think you can set up whatever you'd like the shortcut key to be. But then it brings up, it dims out the background and it brings up, you know, this big text box where they can just start typing. And then you can have predefined things that they can do inside of there uh, that you can use to dispatch actions. So at the heart of the package, um, it is, uh, let's see, at the heart of using this package is creating Spotlight commands for applications that users can execute. Uh, So the readme provides a snippet for logging a user out of the Spotlight component. Out and sorry, logging the user out via the spotlight component. So you just create a new class that expends, extends the spotlight command. Then you have the name that you're going to use to invoke that command, as well as a description that will help describe what it's going to do. And then you have an execute method, which will then take those or take it when they invoke that and will actually do whatever you want it to do. So like guard log out and then redirect back to the home page. So Mac users are used to using command space to trigger spotlight or Alfred. Uh, This one, uh, this component defaults to command uh, or control K or command control slash. They are customizable, of course, from a published package configuration. Uh, and you can also trigger Spotlight programmatically in any live wire component. So if you wanted to toggle the Spotlight on, you can do that by just calling this Dispatch Browser Event Toggle-Spotlight. Uh, you can also do it with an Alpine in your markup. So there's lots of use cases for these. It seems like it would make this maybe some hidden actions a little bit more accessible to power users and desktop Mm -hmm. uh, provide more of like a desktop like experience for people Mm -hmm. who are used to, you know, who are heavily using your app. And so this looks really, really nice. If you're using liveware, using Alpine, using Laravel, uh, this is a cool one. Definitely want to check this out. I use this stuff all the time. Like I use Basecamp. And I'm constantly using their little jump actions. So it's a like command J in Basecamp mm-hmm. to jump around or do different things. And of course I use Alfred all the time as well, right? All the time. And so it's kind of one of those things, like if your application is an application where people kind of live throughout the day, which this is especially helpful if you're developing an application that's going to be used by like your internal teams, for example, mm-hmm. you know, Michael, I know that, you know, you've, done a lot of that at previous jobs, maybe even at the job you're at currently where mm-hmm. you are building applications for your staff in building, right? And they actually live in those applications all day long. This is, yeah. a, that's a perfect time to use something like this. Uh, it, you know, there's a lot of things they do every day that they need to be able to navigate between pages quickly. And it's like way easier to be able to use a, a keyboard command shortcut rather than having to click around a, a, a navigational a UI, UI yeah. to get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool stuff.
0: Beautiful. The last thing that we have here is the ability to add Face ID and or Touch ID login to your Laravel apps. Fast Login is a plugin from Miguel Piedra Fida that adds the sign-in with Face ID slash Touch ID to your web apps in less than one minute. Ooh. Uh, I assume I assume that doesn't take into account having to go through the rigmarole of setting up an Apple developer account, though. <laughs> this package supports various... Physical or biometric authentication devices that allows your users to register physical authentication devices with Face ID or Touch ID on iPhones and Macs, fingerprint on Android, hello on Windows, and USB keys to skip entering their login credentials. The package takes care of almost everything you'll need to get this working in your app quickly. And the server side involves updating the user model with a can fast login trait. And the documentation outlines the front end usage you'll need to implement Face ID and Touch ID logins. The example uh, in the the uh, article that we have in the show notes is a view component by the looks, which gives you the, the functionality to to log in uh, using the fast login package. So kudos to Miguel. He's a uh, he's taking a break according to his Twitter at the moment. But uh, you can find more information about this package, get the full installation
1: instructions, and view the source code on Google GitHub. This is an interesting one. GitHub oh, yeah. Google GitHub. I'm wondering if you have to have an Apple developer account to do this. I don't because it's not like you're logging in with Apple, right? You're not saying I'm logging in with my Apple account. Mm-hmm. All this is doing oh, is allowing you to no, use no, a physical no, no, authentication no. device. Yeah,
0: this looks like it's using the the WebAuthn functionality that is browser native.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. so it might be less than a minute. I mean, that'd be pretty freaking awesome for
0: once. Um, yep, 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 yep. My mistake. I was confusing. That with, I guess, log in with Apple, which is their SSO thing.
1: Right. And that is something you have to... We've actually talked about that a little bit on the show a couple of weeks ago, maybe. Or um, there was also another package that was talking about how to get started with when, mm. or, uh, Apple authentication, I think. Um, yep. Yes. So, yeah, this this probably does not require that. It's just the, I, the web option stuff. Yeah, which I don't understand. I mean, do you, do you have... Do you understand it well enough to give me a quick breakdown? Because I've used this before, I just mm-hmm. don't know how it works.
0: Uh, I've read about it in the past, but I couldn't say anything about it.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. It is. No a, it is
0: a. It is a standard published by the W three C though, so it should receive wide adoption. But other than that, I couldn't tell you any more about it. You can do some research and. Uh, report maybe back, it's I guess. like
1: maybe maybe it is like a thing where your browser stores the credential for you for that mm. site, sort of like a password manager or maybe you know, with this like, built-in password manager sort of deal. And then your website detects if it does in fact have a credential for that site and then says, oh, well, you already have it. Just give it to us. But I suppose we need to authenticate you first to figure out who you are. Mm. Use any of these physical authentication methods that you have available through the browser mm. API. And then we'll just fill in your credential and log you in. Maybe. yeah. I, it, don't
0: know. I mean, you can implement it. In software and it makes use of your processor. So on on the iPhone or the Apple devices, they've got the secure enclave, which I'm sure they've called something else now. I think mm-hmm. they're not calling it the the secure enclave was a good name, but I don't, I don't. And I think Windows Windows 11 they announced that it will not run on devices that don't have this trusted platform module, which is like a physical thing that's like specifically separate to handle all this kind of stuff. So yeah definitely oh yeah
1: that's uh what is it it's a uh tpm chip yeah TPM trusted, chip. trusted platform module that's correct yeah yeah sorry you knew you knew the full name i just knew the abbreviation yeah so that's that's definitely not gonna stifle you know people upgrading to windows 11 <laughs> almost all the machines come with those chips anyway anymore you know but mm-hmm. i think except for sh- their three thousand dollar microsoft
0: surface or whatever that you won't oh, be able really? to upgrade really lemon oh, yeah. Oh, and you can't upgrade it because, you know, it's an all in one. Yeah,
1: right. Exactly. It makes sense. Well, hey, folks, that's all we got for today. That's it. And how? what was our time, Michael? What did we hit? 40 minutes. 40 minutes. Oh, not bad. See? See? Hmm. I didn't curse us. Not too bad. We had some philosophy in here. I don't know if I could call it philosophy. We had some non Laravel stuff in here. We went deep this episode, folks. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hey, this was episode 146. If you want to find show notes for this episode, you find them at podcast.laravel news slash one forty-six. Of course, if you like the show, we'd really appreciate it if you would rate us up in your podcatcher of choice. Five stars would be amazingly appreciated. And of course, hit us up on Twitter if you ever have any questions, comments, or hate mail. I'm Michael Duretta at Jacob Bennett or at right, Laravel News. You all rock. We're so thankful to have you listening. We hope you have a wonderful week. We'll see you in a couple. See you. Bye.